Mark Azoulay is an industry leader in psychotherapy and men's mental health. He's helped countless guys get back on their feet, deepen their relationships, and excel in their lives. Now he's taken all that he has learned and is sharing it with you. In each episode, Mark will interview an expert in the field of masculinity and men's work. We'll cover topics such as emotional intelligence, masculine identity, anger management, financial health, trauma recovery, marriage and divorce, ethics, and spirituality. Tune in and become a better man. Welcome back to the Men's Therapy Podcast. I'm here with returning guest Melissa Barbash. Melissa, welcome back. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So you were a guest on From the Ashes, I think like two or three times. So it's awesome that you're on the new show. Yes, I know. I'm excited to see what it's all about. I've listened to a couple, talked to a couple people, but I'm excited to see what it's all about. Yeah, I mean, it's basically the same thing. It's just the same thing, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like focusing more kind of on men's issues um, and working with men specifically. I think From the Ashes was more of like personal stories of guests, um, Mm -hmm. which are valuable, but what I got feedback from is that the listeners wanted more kind of value for them, right? More kind of education and understanding. Um, and with the rebrand of Men's Therapy Online, I figured it's a good opportunity to kind of do it all in one. Is your um, demographic people who like uh, identify as cisgender male or people who identify as um, men? Is it primarily younger men, older men? I just want to kind of... You might yeah, not have that breakdown, but I kind of wanted to understand that a little bit. Better. We have some of that. I mean, I think it's primarily cisgendered men. Um, okay. We tend to have, it tends to be skewed like 25 to 55 is, is what we're seeing. Okay. Um, we do have a couple of guests lined up. They're going to talk more about the queer experience. And I think that's an important part of it, right? Because it's not a binary, you know, and it's like, you know, masculinity and maleness is changing rapidly and Mm-hmm. People can take that label on. So we're not excluding that. In fact, there'll be some couple episodes I'm really excited about in the future that will dive directly into that. But okay. from our, our data, it's mostly cisgendered men um, in America. Okay. That's helpful. Just kind yeah. of helpful with my topic and also uh, just for future reference too, kind of to yeah. know where the podcast is going or who's going to be on and kind of what the experience will be like. Yeah. And to be clear, right, with you and the listeners, like I'm interviewing, you know, men and women and and all kinds of people, right? Like the the focus is on male listeners, but there's a lot of value, right? Everywhere. Um, And this brings me kind of like why I wanted you on, because I know you work a lot with women, right? Women in relation, heterosexual relationships with men, Mm -hmm. right? Oftentimes those men are um, addicts or they suffer from mental illness and the women are trying to cope with that right? And, and work through that. And I see that so often in therapy, right? It's like the guy doesn't go to therapy, right? Doesn't go to help. And the partner ends up in therapy and it's, you're kind of doing like therapy for the guy yeah. through the partner. And it's like, we both know that's not effective <laughs> at all. Yeah. You know? it's not. And I, I, I do end up with a lot of folks too, whose spouses quote unquote, want them to go to therapy. So they're there to see how I can help them please their spouse. Too. So it's like kind of interchangeable um, yeah. from both perspectives. But yeah, I'd love to see more men getting some support. Yeah, me, me too. Right. I mean, that's kind of like what this show is about is hopefully inspiring guys to go to therapy. Um, yeah. And not to be something of like, yeah, like go there and get fixed. Right. It's no, like trying talk. to understand, like talk and like, yeah. yeah, figure out like who you are and what your part is and what do you bring to a relationship. Um, yeah. How can you be happy? Uh, how can you identify whether or not you are? Right. Pretty good yeah. questions. 
Um, so yeah, so we chatted briefly about fathers, right? And I think, you know, I, I was thinking about focusing it on partners. And I think we will probably get there too, but I think fathers is a really awesome topic of, you know, the kind of intergenerational piece, because it's not just, you know, um, a daughter with their dad. It's also a, a generational difference. It's a, you know, cultural difference. Um, so yeah, dive right into that. I mean, what, what are you seeing kind of in your therapy room as it relates to daughters and fathers? Well, I would like to talk about partners too, so we can hold that for whenever we talk mm-hmm. about that. So that's a good idea also yeah. if we get to it. Um, I see a lot of dysfunction in relationships between, I'm going to say a lot of daughters, but children um, and their fathers um, and a lot of separation and um this idea that they want the the people that I work with want something to be better, um, want some sort of conversation, want some sort of emotional experience with their father Mm -hmm. um, before that's too late. And I see a lot of fixing themselves or taking the onus on how to change those relationships. And I do think that the parent has a lot of responsibility in looking at how they've impacted their children. Um, And I understand that it can be really hard to do that. Uh, I just can't imagine so many of the fathers out there are, when they get to the end of their life, satisfied with their relationships with their children. Um, So I, I think it's really important for fathers of any age, right? So someone who may be entering fatherhood right now, to know what's going on inside them so they don't turn to addiction, so they don't turn to silence, so they don't tell their child not to express emotion, uh, so they can start from there. And then the older generation trying to repair that um, also. So I see kind of both uh, both areas. Yeah, so what do you think? There's a lot that, like, I want to back up to fathers. Like, what do you think happens there? Because I've had the experience, and I imagine you have, where you're working with a client, right, and they, like, they do this, they try to do this big reconciliation. Like maybe they write this powerful letter, right? Or they, you know, have like the sit down talk or even like you said on the deathbed, right? They, they're like, okay, what am I going to say to my dad before he dies? Like, I want it to be really meaningful. And I've seen like, I want to put a number on it, but I would say like 80% of those just fail like yeah. spectacularly, right? Yeah. Like the person does this big reveal they've worked on for months sometimes. And then like the dad is there and they're like, that's great. Yeah. Like what's for dinner, you know, like just like total dismissive dismissal. Do you, yeah. What do you think yeah. that's about? Um, I try to set clients up to know that a big reveal is not going to change the human in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I think that they go in really hoping that all the work that they've done will change the person in front of them. Um, I don't want it to be a big reveal. I'd like it to be kind of like over time. Um, because a big reveal is just filled with hopelessness because you do all of this work and then you go in to try to talk with the person and then you get the same thing that you always get because of course you do. That person hasn't been doing their work. They're not expecting this big reveal and why are they going to act any differently? Um, So I, I see that all the time, this hopefulness, like if I just talk to him in this particular way, or if I bring it up in this way, he'll change and he'll love me and he'll treat me differently. And um, it it doesn't happen that way, though. Um, It's just, 
they're they're often moving towards someone that doesn't have those skills. Um, so I I hate building up someone's hopes like that. I, I try to I try to say that you're actually working on changing um, how you experience your father if you can't convince him to work with you in this. Um, so did, I know sometimes on these shows I ask you if that makes sense. So sometimes when I just think out loud, I don't know if it lands as uh, sensical. <laughs> It is sensical. Is that a word? It is. Yeah, it's highly sensical. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, I mean, what I'm what I'm hearing, maybe you know, like it's that you don't want to set people up for disappointment, right? And yeah. when they do this big reveal, it's kind of unreasonable to expect that it's going to just like completely change their dad's personality or completely yeah. like be the silver bullet that's going to cut through everything. No, right? I can't cut through shame and like years of their own trauma or their experience that they wanted with someone else or a fantasy that they have. It just can't cut through all of that. Um, and nor should they be doing all of the work to try to do that because it's not their job to be a therapist to their parents. Um, and I, I understand that therapy is much more acceptable now um, and less stigmatized. And um, I would just really love to see like men in their 50s and 60s um, face some hard demons, I think, in order to themselves be satisfied relationally. It can't be fun. It can't be a fulfilling life to know that the person like that you've birthed has so many negative feelings towards you or doesn't feel like you have a relationship. It just, that can't feel good. Um, yeah, I mean, I have two things to say. I think that's that's the question I have, Melissa, and I'm curious really what you think about this because I don't have an answer. Like this is an open question of that generation, and specifically men. Like, do they have an emotional world that we're not aware of? I I think as a therapist, I want to say yes, or is it something where they're not? They're like literally not capable of it. And as a human, I want to say no, right? Because I, I when I think of like I think of my own dad, and I love my dad. We have a great relationship. And he doesn't have the same emotional, doesn't seem to have the same emotional depth that I do. Mm -hmm. And the way that I've worked with my therapist to frame that is this idea that like, he's actually so good at providing and doing the immigrant experience, which he had to go through and building like a foundation for our family. Like so much of his life was backed into that. Yeah. They didn't get to develop the emotional stuff. And actually the fact that he was so good at the physical logistical things mm -hmm. is he has a son that now has emotional needs, mm -hmm. right? Like, the foundation was there to have a, a son with emotional needs. And then when I want to connect with him emotionally, it's like a wall. And there's like something very tragic about that, right? Like if he was kind of like less good at being a provider, then I would have to be more of a provider and we could connect, I think more, right? Because we'd be in that same kind of like logistical survival state, you know? Um, I hear what you're saying about like cultural experiences and, you know, intergen intergenerational experiences and that, um, men and women have had to hold like specific roles. Um, I think that it's very sad that they're only allowed to hold one particular role. Um, Cause I don't think that people don't have the capacity. I just think that they have um, uh, honed a particular side of themselves uh, that, that was necessary to help like their children function in a particular way 
and to protect themselves. But I don't think that means that they don't have that other part. I just don't know if they had the luxury to, um, uh, what's the word, uh, nurture it. Yeah. I guess, uh, like we do. I think we have a little bit more um, ability to nurture those pieces, all of our pieces. Um, whereas I'm sure, and I think men at some time didn't have that. Um, they weren't taught that and they didn't have that space to do that necessarily. I I think what I want is to say like, there's that space now in the world. Um, and I, I want them to be able to utilize both parts of themselves, all parts, um, provider, father, mentor, crier, whatever it is. Uh, um, so I, I, yeah, I mean, my father is also not somebody that you can kind of contact emotionally. It's very difficult, but I actually think it's in there because I, he can do it with other people. Um, so I've actually asked other people <laughs> if he, you know, what kind of emotional experience they have with him. And um, I know he's not, I know he's always been kind of harder to attach to uh, for most people in my life. And I also know that he's capable because I've seen it. I just don't see it with my sister and I. Um, so I think that uh, some people can function in the world amongst their peers, but when it comes to their children, they just, something happens uh, that they just, they kind of like see their children stuck in this moment in time and like treat them that way for the rest of their lives. I don't know. I'm rambling now, but I have a lot of thoughts about this. No, no, no. Keep going on that. Yeah. Like, like what do you think happens with the family relationship? Because I think that's true. I think it's true. I think, yes, yeah, specifically for older men where like they can often be like better fathers to people that are further away from them. Right? Yeah. They're, like, further out of the rings in their connection. Yes, exactly. They can like, um, take care of other people in a different way or other people can convince them somehow to like, I have family members that can somehow convince my father to say more about what he's feeling. Mm -hmm. um, but my sister and I are just like fucking banging our heads against the wall, you know, um, slowly, slowly. Um, so we start to wonder, well, there's the capacity. What's, what's the distance here then? Um, so I find that very interesting. Uh, can you ask me your question again? I lost my place. Oh yeah. No, the, the question is, is, is that right? It's like, what do you think the barriers with children specifically, um, the barrier to emotional intimacy, emotional connection? Okay. Like um, you're saying, yeah, they kind of get stuck in time is what. Yeah. Yeah. Is. Well, particularly like with divorce. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I'll just say statistically speaking, if it's not shared custody, fathers get less custody mm -hmm. more often than not. And um, I think see their children in this, like, in this time frame of this particular age. Um, and they have some, like, limited time to get to know them. And maybe they want limited time to get to know them. I don't know everybody's situation. Some people don't fight for custody. Um, so I guess my question is... At will can can men come forward and say, you know, I really don't like this relationship that I have with my child. Um, 
and I have to look at my part. Um, and that's going to hurt. And it will hurt the child too. But is that so much better than living such a lonely existence? Um, and I know that the answer for a lot of people is no, that pain and shame and all of yeah. that is not better. Um, but I'm an advocate for dialogue and talk, and I think it is better uh, for anybody that I work with, at least from anything that I've heard. Um, they just want, if it's anger, if it's any sort of emotion, it doesn't matter what emotion it is, just some sort of contact in the emotional realm. Yeah, they just want, they just want realness, right? I mean, I think yeah. as, as children, and all of us are children, like we want to know our parents. We want to mm-hmm. like really know them and feel them and be connected to them and, and try to get beyond like the role. Yeah. You know? um, and I mean, you have to know yourself well enough to be able to teach your child how to sort through their emotions. So all of your shit is just going to go on to them. If you don't work it out a little bit more, um, like your fears of crying and anger and it's just going to go on to them. So why don't we start uh, chopping away at that if we can? Yeah, I mean, we're going to move to our commercial break. There's a lot more there, but I, I agree with you completely. Like, I think it's a very, this is speaking to the men that are listening. I think it's a very like heroic thing to do, truly. Mm-hmm. And like a very like paternal, like leadership, strong thing to do. I'm using male language here, but but it's, it is. It's like the, the most brave thing to do is to face these demons and like mm-hmm. slay them and, and make sure they don't get passed down to your children. Mm-hmm. Because that, like, what kind of gift is that? Like, talk about being a provider. Like, that's the, met the biggest thing you can provide yeah. is breaking that cycle that like you may have, and I'm sure your dad may have, and his dad may have, and it, it goes all the way back right up that paternal line. So breaking that um, is pretty, really powerful. I mean, really like truly actually life-changing. Yeah. I, I know we're going to a commercial, but like maybe consider the thought, do I want my daughter to end up with a man who's emotionally like me? Um, because that might happen. Uh, so I, I know that's a hard question, but like it happens. <laughs> uh, and yeah, all right. I'll just it say that. more often than not. So yeah, yes. we're going to go to our commercial <laughs> break and when we come back, we'll just pick right back up. Okay. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Men's Therapy Online is now accepting new members. Men's Therapy Online offers a solution to the lack of outlets for emotional expression, positive role models, and access to meaningful milestone experiences. In our post-COVID world, loneliness is at an all-time high. Men need consistent community. Our society is rapidly changing. Old models of masculinity are falling at the task of promoting emotional intelligence and meaningful connection. Men's Therapy Online offers tools and experiences designed to help the man who is struggling to balance traditional male roles and emotional fluidity. Whether you need to get back on your feet or take your life to the next level, Men's Therapy Online has your back. We help our members become a true 21st century man. A man who is not burdened by the rapid change of society, but who contributes to it honorably. 
If you're interested in signing up and finding your band of brothers, go to menstherapy.online to learn more. That's menstherapy.online. Start your journey today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to the Men's Therapy Podcast with Mark Azalay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at menstherapy.online or visit www.menstherapypodcast.com. Now, back to the Men's Therapy Podcast. Welcome back to the Men's Therapy Podcast. So I'm here with Melissa Barbash, and we're talking about um, father-daughter relationships. Really, and we were just chatting a little bit over the break. And I'm happy, Melissa, that you feel similar to me. Where this, I think the therapy industry can like shrink it down and say like parent-child, mm-hmm. but I do think father-daughter is different from you know mother-son, different from you know father-son or you know mother-daughter. I think each one has their own unique, nuanced um, kind of feeling to it. So yeah. I'm curious for the father-daughter, you know, for the scope of this episode, um, what would you say would make that relationship unique? Well, I guess I'd have to start with culturally in our society. Uh, women typically are kind of doing more in the parenting relationship on the home front. I don't want to generalize that completely. And I know that there's evidence of that. So I don't want to say that it, it's actually research-based. Yeah. So I think women typically are primary caregivers in a relationship, yes. typically. Yes. 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 Um, and can fulfill a lot of roles, uh, you know, sometimes due to biological pieces, like they're, they're predisposed to kind of being more available when a child cries. Um, so I think that fathers are, going in with a disadvantage. So I think they have to do a little bit more to bring themselves into the relationship. Um, That's the first thing I'm thinking of. The second thing I'm thinking of is giving, giving um, daughters this message that like, you're just a provider um, or, you know, you can come to me for anything that you need, but kind of emotions are off limits. I think gives them a, a skewed version of attachment. And a lot of the people that I work with end up in relationships with absent partners um, and come to therapy to heal those relationships when really one of the primary relationships they need to heal is with their parent, with their father. Um, And so typically because the father is unwilling to do that or not available to do that, they end up healing that with their relationship this one or the next one or the next one or the next one. Um, and so it would really be helpful if, you know, the, the one of the caregivers was part of the conversation so that this person doesn't feel like she is um, like just stuck engaging in the same behavior over and over again because she's a bad child or, yeah, rambling again. But that's kind of where my mind is going. Yeah. Yeah, I think so just reiterating it in a different way, right? Is like, yeah. I think the daughter patterns their relationships over their father because of that unmet 
Mm-hmm. Right. So if their father was emotionally shut down in, in your example, they're going to mm-hmm. find emotionally shut down partners because they want it to be different with their dad. Right. Yeah. And yeah. they might they're try, try to, to fix it. Strategies. Yes. Yeah. Try, try to, to fix, fix that it. pain through a partnership. Through a partnership. Right. And they're going to self-select people where that probably also isn't possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So even though they're trying to heal it, oftentimes people end up just repeating that trauma over and over right. again. Exactly. Um, yeah. So. I don't want to give the message that out there to fathers that you need to be perfect um, or like your daughter's going to find someone terrible, but um, repair goes such a long way and talking about anything about yourself and any type of emotion that you have or hearing your child's emotions. Like it goes such a long way into helping them feel more secure in life. Um, And I think that that's one of the primary reasons you bring a child into the world is to love them and help them grow. So why not help them grow in a way that's really beneficial? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, something that I want to share to the the male listeners, which I think has managed really hard for us to understand because we're conditioned so differently. Mm-hmm. Right. But women have this thing, which is primarily a result of oppression, quite frankly, mm-hmm. um, of always blaming themselves. Right. Like if a relationship is going wrong, it's often the woman's fault or the woman mm-hmm. feels as though it's their fault. They're not good enough. They didn't say the right thing. They didn't, they don't love that their partner enough. They don't have the right answer. Like they really, really personalize stuff in a way that men, I don't think we really do because we're conditioned to get mad at the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Like as a man, you're like, oh, that person's an asshole or that person mm-hmm. fucked up or, you know, F them. And we just like leave and find someone new. Right. Like we're trained to externalize and women are trained to internalize. And, you know, something that I've had to learn um, being in relationships with women is that, you know, one, that fact, and two, which is even more important, that like, I cannot understand, I like, really can understand the amount of internalization that women go through, Mm -hmm. because I'm not a woman. Mm -hmm. And it's like, just like, imagine the most shame that you've ever felt and just like, double it and double it and double it and double it and double it, right? Like, women live with an unbelievable amount of like, personal shame and fear and all that. And, you know, I think y'all do your work, which you, which is great to like start to get empowered and liberated from that. But it is like a very, very real thing. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't think men get like because of our conditioning and, and maybe bi- biology is different too, but certainly the conditioning um, yeah. is really different around this particular topic. Yes. Um, I mean, it, what I see is, just women working so hard to try to find these answers. Um, Like, how can I stop doing this? How can I get this person to do this better? Like they're, and I know that's like oppressive training. Like I know that that is like work harder, work harder, work harder. You'll find the answers. And they're just exhausted. All they want is someone to kind of come into the mix with them and just take a little bit of that uh, ownership Uh, But they'll keep working themselves to death. I mean, they'll keep coming and trying and trying and trying. Um, And I guess I, I, it's, it's off the topic of fathers, but doesn't mean that the people I'm talking about are not fathers, but um, I also think it's really important that uh, when you were saying that, like, um, I don't know what you're saying. Anyway, I I also think it's really important that um, when people go to couples work, that um, 
not just the woman is in her own therapy. Um, and that happens a lot of the time, primarily due to like fears and also kind of, there's a lot of probably um, um, rightful excuses around needing to provide and not taking the time away from work. Um, and it just ends up leaving the woman to feel responsible, like, oh, okay, so the couples therapist is recommending that we both go to our treatment. I will be the rule follower and the diligent one and go do that, but you don't have to. Um, so it reinforces the idea that something's wrong with them, mm -hmm. uh, the women. And I, I do hear that maybe that's too difficult for men to look at, um, but it makes the couples therapy so much slower too. So if you want to heal your relationship <laughs> quicker, <laughs> Um, I think that's a really good idea. Um, I, I personally don't often recommend uh, couples therapy to my clients without having some kind of affirmation that their partner is also in their own treatment. Uh, because they'll, what ends up happening a lot of the times is utilizing the couple's work to kind of help the male um, learn about his emotions. And it that takes a lot of time and it takes away from the actual relational component. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think it can also just double down the disconnection, right? Yeah. If you have someone in the in the room that's very emotionally intelligent and interested in somebody who hasn't done that yet, right? Mm -hmm. It just like continue, just creates more moments for misattunement, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'd like uh, some feedback on if uh, it feels like I'm uh, bashing any men out there, because that's not my intention but it might be received that way. So I'm curious to know if it feels that way. I'm trying to figure out if I'm moving into that shame spiral that you were talking right. about. <laughs> you might, be. I mean, they can let us know. Email podcast <laughs> at menstherapy.online um, with your feedback. No, like I think so. So I'm doing a presentation, this is a side note, but I think it's relevant. I'm doing a presentation. Um, that's why we rescheduled and we're pre-recording this episode. So thank you. Uh, thank you on air for that, um, for the CCA. And it's about modern masculinity. Right. And it's about therapy, um, specifically the it's the audiences with therapists. And fast forward all, all the way to the end, one of the points I'm making is that in therapy, women need safety, but men need respect. Right. And I think like the conversation, the more direct it can be, it's actually respect. Right. I think from like a male perspective, telling it to a straight, being honest, like coming at it with compassion, which I hear of like being like, yeah, like do this work. It'll help your daughter. It'll help your wife. It'll help your partner. Like mm -hmm. that's compassion. But I think like as men, we want that. I mean, when I talk to dudes and I say like, Hey, what would be effective as with me as your therapist? They always say like almost, almost nine times out of 10, they say, call me on my bullshit. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, I think what you're feeling is that conditioning, right. Is that like, don't challenge men. Men are emotionally fragile. Mm -hmm. Men like can't take it. I'm telling you directly, like we can take it. In fact, like we need to take it, mm -hmm. right? Like we need more women like you that are able to say like, do this shit, show up, like mm -hmm. be a hero, look at your emotions. Like we need to be, we need that thrown in our face, mm -hmm. right? Because I, I do think men grow through challenge, right? And I think like that's a challenge is like, you might think that you're like too man enough to go to therapy, but it might be that you're not man enough to go to therapy. <laughs> right? Like it might be fear and there's nothing, there's no shame about having fear. The therapist is there to help you work through your fear, Yeah, but you have to take the first step of picking up the phone and making an appointment, right? Like we can't do that as therapists. We can't force you to do any of this. Yeah. You know? I don't want your, I don't want your fear to limit 
your relationships. Yeah, like that's sucks. what ends up happening. And I, I don't know the retention for you with, with men in your practice, but they, there's a, there's a lot of good retention. And then there's also some just kind of disappearance, giving up, um, doesn't feel good, but can't say that it doesn't feel good or there's something they don't like. So I, I really want, I want that. Like, I go see Mark, you know, he'll show up, see him, like, please keep showing up. That's, that's really all I, I think I want. Keep showing up. Yeah. I mean, the guys that I see and there's, we have, we have a gender difference, obviously. So it might be different. Yeah. yeah what we see, yeah. <laughs> but like the guys, the guys that I see that most of them retain, uh, do retain, but the guys that, that fall off is actually like the nice guy performer guys like the you know compliant resistance would be kind of like the term for it right the guy that like shows up has nothing wrong like actually like speaks the therapy language like mm. tries to be like the best client tries to like explain themselves before they even get there but there's no emotion right they're like oh yeah like i got this figured out like let me just like walk you through this process that i already did and rehearsed in the car on the way here right mm. like there's no actual connection they're yes. just like performative yes. vulnerability and performative therapy yeah um and I try to call that out. And I think when that gets challenged, it can be really difficult because like that thing has worked. And I think it's worked with their partners too, right? Because like a lot of guys, especially in the Boulder, Denver area, like we're a liberal place, like therapy language is out there. Like mm -hmm. people have watched the TED Talks, right? Like they can do a pretty good show. Yeah. But I'll tell you guys, right? Like your, your women know, women in your life know, because they're not listening to your words. They're listening to your feelings. Mm -hmm. And like, you can hit them with like the best fucking speech and the best thing that you're like, oh man, man nailed it. Yeah. But like, if it's flat and it will be, cause it's not real. Like they yeah. know. Yes. And they'll, they'll, they'll try to chase you for them. But I know you're angry. Yeah. I know you're sad. I know you're feeling this way. It's probably, it, it, you know, very annoying, but it's, uh, we are very intuitive with emotions, particularly if yes. we had fathers that didn't talk about them, we had to guess. And then we are typically right. About you're typically what we're right. Seeing. Yeah. I think, <laughs> think y'all know. I yeah. mean, you're tapped into stuff again because of training. And I think, and I think this is also yeah. a biological difference. This shows up yes. in research where women are, are way more attentive to tone of voice and pace of speech and micro expressions. Like y'all, your brains and perception is like, hardwired to notice like all those like little moments that guys are so much we're so much more literal right yeah. so we're like we're like oh yeah well like i told her i was angry and it's like yeah but did you get angry yeah, right or like right. i told her i was sad but like did you cry you know like yeah. like where's like that non-verbal piece yeah i'm right? sad <laughs> right you know i'm really sad that this happened um and i'm angry at at you but you know what i, I think i i thought about it and i figured it out and we're just gonna change this you know we're just gonna change this piece and it's gonna be fine and we're gonna be good Right, like, like, yeah, it's so isolated. And I say this because I've done this, right? Like, it cuts the partner out of their relationship completely, mm -hmm. right? When you when you tell them, you walk them through the whole story, and then you give them a solution, and you say, yeah. like, I already got it all figured out. Like, there's zero relationship in that. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like saying in the room, it sounds like you don't need me for this. You <laughs> you got the questions, yeah. the answers, and the whole like you got it worked out, and. I'm just going to sit back and hang out here. Um, but it's, it's, it's very interesting. I think it, it sparked this idea that, um, so my dog went to the ER the other night. Um, and, uh, I, uh, and so 
my partner has a learning disability, but I don't actually think that plays into this. Sometimes he wonders. Um, but I actually think like the awareness that you're talking about, like the awareness of the world, like that there's there's not that level of awareness in a lot of men. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I was telling the vet, well, his tongue was redder than usual and his pupils are dilated. And my partner's like, what are you talking about? Like, I heard him whimper that I heard and he was pacing. Like, those are the things that he noticed. Um, but I was like, no, this is going on. He's picking this foot up. You know, he so it's just interesting that you were saying kind of the differences. I know I'm using a dog as a reference, but I think it's a kind of hitting Oh no, that, that's it. I mean, there's like a, a insane amount of research that I find super fascinating of just that. Like when you like show like a movie, right. And then you ask a man versus a woman to recall what they remember. It's exactly that. And the one will talk about the characters and like, you know, their relationship to each other and what they're saying and like the tone of voice mm-hmm. and the men are more aware of like the objects in the room or, or like what the scene was, or like in general, kind of like um, where it's happening and the context for it. Right. And like the shorthand is like, you know, women live in a world of people and men live in a world of things. And there's room for both. Like there's, one is not better than the other, but like those are, well, you just talked about the dog. Like that is real. And that is, I don't think it's learned disability. That's just like gender differences. I think so. Like yeah. that's just, we're, we're different creatures. <laughs> women are different, yeah. you know? Exactly. So I wasn't annoyed about that. I get annoyed about other things. Um, but we have a minute. Is that, I can't. Yes. Yeah. We're just about a commercial. Okay. Yeah. Um, was something in there. I think when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about um, what it's like to have your um, like spouse nurture you rather than a therapist and how that's going to get old mm-hmm. and uh, they're going to get mad at you a lot. Um, a wom- a women are going to get annoyed with having to be the one to nurture you and not having someone else there to do it. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that because... I'm I'm the opposite, right? I mean, you know, my partner, Caroline, right? And like, I've always had therapists nurture me and I struggle to have my my partner nurture me. So I think it's a good conversation because I think there's like yeah. two sides to this coin. Yeah. Right. The answer is like, it's somewhere in the middle. But yes, when we get back from the commercial break, we'll chat more about um, <laughs> nurturance and what that might look like. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Men's Therapy Online is now accepting new members. Men's Therapy Online offers a solution to the lack of outlets for emotional expression, positive role models, and access to meaningful milestone experiences. In our post-COVID world, loneliness is at an all-time high. Men need consistent community. Our society is rapidly changing. Old models of masculinity are falling at the task of promoting emotional intelligence and meaningful connection. Men's Therapy Online offers tools and experiences designed to help the man who is struggling to balance traditional male roles and emotional fluidity. Whether you need to get back on your feet or take your life to the next level, Men's Therapy Online has your back. We help our members become a true 21st century man. A man who is not burdened by the rapid change of society, but who contributes to it honorably. If you're interested in signing up and finding your band of brothers, go to menstherapy.online to learn more. That's menstherapy.online. Start your journey today. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to the Men's Therapy Podcast with Mark Azalea. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at menstherapy.online or visit www.menstherapypodcast.com. Now, back to the Men's Therapy Podcast. Welcome back to the show, Men's Therapy Podcast. Um, we're In this final segment here, we're going to talk about nurturance um, and kind of both sides of the coin of being nurtured by a therapist versus being nurtured by your partner um, and what each of those poles look like and how to find kind of a middle ground. Because I, I guess what I would start off and I'm curious most of what you think about this, you might be have difference of opinion. I think a lot of men struggle being nurtured at all, right? Like I think we're conditioned to think that we're all alone and that the Calvary isn't coming and we have to do everything by ourselves. Um, yeah. You know, as I'm praying for this presentation, right? I just got this stat where in America, it's crazy. You know, 39% of men self-identify as being lonely mm-hmm. and identify as that if they had an emergency, nobody would be able to help them. Mm-hmm. 39%. And that's self-identification, which means it's probably higher because mm-hmm. some guys probably wouldn't say that on a, on a, um, on a survey. Hmm. The cynical part of me goes to... Um well, do they have that available and nobody taught them how to ask for it? Mm-hmm. Um, or do they also have really unloving relationships and don't have that? So my my mind goes to both of those questions. Um, as you can see, I I am um, I can never be solely compassionate. <laughs> Not never. It's <laughs> the solely compassionate. I get you know I have lots of questions behind everything. I can be yeah, I, I think a lot of it's self isolation. Right. Like, I don't think it's entirely true, but it's like they feel as though, you know, again, if they had emergency, no one would be there for them. That might be false, but they they certainly feel that way or they are reporting that they feel that way. Yeah. Self-isolation. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. Um, I was actually thinking about what you said, and I was wondering if um, there's a difference between someone uh, being in recovery and um, utilizing their therapist for nurturing and someone who's not really utilizing anybody for that, but the person that they can rely on the most is their spouse. And rely on meaning uh, not to nurture, but to kind of um, save or forgive or um, teach them about emotions. So, you know, I kind of wondered if there was a difference between kind of like my clientele and someone who's in recovery. Uh, I don't know that that's only it, but that's where my mind went. Yeah, I don't, I mean, good question. I think being in recovery, working with people in recovery, we've certainly been exposed to therapists, whereas I think a lot of guys haven't even had a therapist ever. Most people, most guys, right. I've never worked with a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think speaking from my experience, like I, you know, I had a parent that was very like emotionally intrusive and their emotions like dominate our space. Mm -hmm. So I think as a kid, I made this vow to myself that I would never be that. 
right? Yeah. Like my my emotions would never dominate a space. I would never like derail something because I'm having a bad day. Like I would just kind of like do nice guy stuff, right? Okay. So for me, having a therapist, that's quite frankly that I pay for, right? Like that, like I pay them to just listen to me and I pay them to like not inject their own stuff. And I pay them to kind of pay my own guilt away of being emotional. Like, oh, like I'm doing this service. So like, it's okay for me to, to be emotional and to like complain or to like kind of get this stuff out. That was really, really helpful for me. Like I needed that container to kind of overcome that vow. Um, And I still struggle with this idea of like, you know, I remember being proud of this of like, I'm like, yeah, I have a therapist. So I don't burden you guys with my emotional shit. Like I would tell my friends that I tell my girlfriends that, right. That like, I'm a, I'm a catch because I'm not going to like complain. I'm not going to ask you to nurture me because like, I totally, I already have this other person that, that does that. Um, now that I'm a little older and mature, like that is, can be detrimental (laughs) to my relationship because it's it's disconnecting. Right. I mean, it cuts the, it cuts Caroline out of our conversations. Um, and that's kind of what we're actively working on right now is, is figuring out what even, what even nurturance like looks like, you know, um, a long-winded answer to your question. No, it's uh, it's making me think about, you know, saying more about my experience. Um, and I guess I'm thinking of like a spouse or a partner of someone who's not in recovery, mm-hmm. um, who's actively using or actively struggling with an addiction of some kind. And the relationship becomes very dependent on the primary person in it for any kind of functioning really, um, or, uh, main maintenance of relationships, uh, keeping someone alive sometimes, like there's a lot that goes into, you know, holding secrets. And so there's a lot that goes into that. And most of the people that I work with and myself included have like begged the people that they're with to go talk to somebody and uh, so that I, I'm going to use your word so that the burden is not on one person. Um, and I, I think we'd be open to them quote unquote burdening anybody other than just one person, but those really other people else. can't yeah. help. So that's why we say therapist, like mm-hmm. go do this with the therapist and then come talk to me about it. I don't want you not to burden me with your emotions. I, but I'm, I want to be in a relationship with you. I don't want to be your um, person that helps you solve this necessarily, because then what happens to me in that? Um, so I, uh, I understand what you're saying also. Like I grew up in a house where I contained a lot and could take care of a lot of other people. So I could do that. So I got to my breaking point and I'm like, you know, go, go, go talk to someone. Go, And so I'm sure I got a little colder um, in that uh, cold. I don't like that word. I got a little less, um, uh, I got more resistant to being the person that someone could just come to for everything. Um, I don't want to be that person. And I I don't, um, when I'm working with people who are new to recovery, I'm also very specific that I can't be their only person. Like you have to be part of a program. You have to be part of a group. You have to have a sponsor. It doesn't matter if it's one or all of those. It's just something else Um, because addicts tend to whittle down their uh, support system to one person 
Mm-hmm. And whether that's their spouse or their therapist, it happens. And it's not a good place to be for them or for the person in relationship with them. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think addiction is a, is a different case. Yeah. Right. Because where I go with it is, is you know, different podcast topic, but it's like, <laughs> it's so regressive, you know, like when I, when I think of some kind of classic addiction behavior, the one that comes to mind is when an addict will often like relapse and then make it their partner's fault. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you made me do this. You made me drink. You made me use. Right. Or make it the therapist's fault yeah. or like this attention seeking, you know, mostly unconscious, but still real like attention seeking behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. Like or wanting to get caught. Right. Like leaving the the beer bottles in a place that like, of course, your wife is going to find them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's so much like really regressive, like really young things mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Around caregiver, around like, see me, notice me, love me, right? Like, love me no matter what, right? Like, pick up after me, right? Like, take care of me. Like, it really, it's really infantilizing. And I think what you're saying is completely apt, right? Like, I think your partner, um, their partner doesn't want to be their mom, right? Like, doesn't want to be their caregiver. I mean, it's not sexy. I think the relationship dies off. It it, it lose a lot of respect. Um, and then that person, that caregiver that I know you work with, like can feel trapped and feel responsible and feel like they have to save this person. Um, yeah. And it doesn't work and it's just a disaster. Um, and all of the things that you're saying are, are things I think are valuable to teach to men. I don't think that they, I'm going to say everybody doesn't realize that, but since we're talking about men in particular, Mm -hmm. I don't think that men a lot of men know that that's what they're doing, that they're regressing, that they're, or why they're regressing or what they're trying to ask for in that moment. Um, And how, and how um, they're not going to get what they want by doing that in the long run, in the short term. Yes, they're going to orchestrate something to get what they need and what they want, but they're just going to continue this cycle of unhappiness. Um, yeah, I know I moved it to addiction, but it's it feels like such a big part it of the same thing. Yeah. Like Yeah, and I think it goes yeah. goes back to kind of, you know, um like oppression, right? And I think male privilege, right? Like I think a lot of men don't get challenged and they don't get challenged as boys. You know, again, I'm doing this research presentation. I, I got so many of these interesting facts. Um another one is that I don't have the numbers in front of me, but um women in school in kindergarten, right? are corrected. Their behavior is corrected. I want to say it's almost three or four times more often than male mm-hmm. behavior is corrected. Mm-hmm. Right. And the other interesting wrinkle to that is that the, the teachers that are correcting male behavior are female teachers. Mm-hmm. If you actually have a male teacher in early education, which is rare, mm-hmm. but the, when there's a male teacher, it actually is way closer to 50, 50. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's again, the reason that the research pushed forth is it's this oppression factor of like women are taught not to challenge men, right? They're taught not to call them out. They're taught not to like scold them, mm-hmm. right? So you have a, a, a male child who's been throwing temper tantrums since he's been five mm-hmm. and he's still throwing temper tantrums when he's 45, Yes, <laughs> you know, because the women in his life, and it's again, it's not women's fault. Like this is yeah. oppression. I want to make that really clear to our female listeners too, yeah. right? Like, it's not your fault. Like there's oppressive messages that says like, do not challenge the men in your life. Do not call them out. Do not stop them. Like, just like, like they are the, they are an unmovable pillar and you have to like operate around them mm-hmm. instead of asking them to move and change. Yeah. And a lot of guys, like we also suffer from that, right? 
Like in the, in the short term, like I said, it could feel really good to be that unmovable pillar and to get what you want, but like, you're also rigid and also everybody hates you, right? Like you're like, like behind closed doors, yeah. they're talking about you right behind closed doors. You're, you're not as powerful as you might feel in that moment. Um, yeah. It's a really lonely, isolating place to be. And, and you never learn how to dance. You know, you never learn how to change and move and grow and, and actually relate. Yeah, I think that's true. I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about uh, two things. Um, I recently listened to this podcast by Kara Swisher. I don't know if you know who she is, but anyway, she uh, interviewed Gina Davis and uh, Gina Davis was talking about how there was like a never another female cast movie other than a league of their own about like women in sports and they were like yeah we already made that movie uh so anyway it was a, it was a really interesting for anybody who wants to listen to it it's she was very interesting and talked about like this idea of what shows are shown to children when they're younger and how uh, women or girls watch all the boy shows and then the boys stop watching the girl shows when they reach a certain age and so they're not like exposed to that as much anymore um and then the other thing I was thinking of was when I worked in a treatment center and I had only male bosses and I, I said I was volunteering like in one capacity when I worked in the other also just to help. And uh, I said, you know, this is getting to be too much. I, I'm here like I, I need I can't do my job and volunteer here like you need to fill this position. And the response was, you should really think about your career here. Um, and I so the message is don't work harder don't don't uh don't do anything that's good for you and i i just don't know that men are receiving the same message and if they are i want to help them through that because i don't want them to feel oppressed either um by certain things so i i just i wanted to be here to make sure men know that like they are justified in wanting to understand themselves um, and if you don't want to, or if that's not something that someone taught you is okay, I guess I wanted to say it's perfectly okay. And every fucking woman in your life wants you to. So, um, yeah, yeah. you'll be a better man for it. Right. And again, it's like the most heroic journey you can take is like the journey inwards actually. Mm -hmm. And like yeah. trying to break these chains and becoming like more fundamentally more human ultimately. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You get to be human also. Yeah. So we got to wrap up here. It's a great conversation. I know you'll, you'll be back on in the future. Um, but for those who want to find you online and learn more about you, where mm -hmm. can they contact you? Uh, my website is recovermecounseling.com. Um, phone number is probably easier because that just gets kind of, both are fine. Uh, phone number is 720-551-5056, but look up the website. Right, recoverycounseling.com. Check yeah. it out. So yeah. thanks you all for tuning in to Men's Therapy Podcast. Great conversation as always. If you can think of a guy who needs to hear this conversation, please mm -hmm. forward it to him, share it with him, sit down, listen to it with him, whatever it takes. You know, you need to yeah. start to bust the stigma and get more men into treatment, um, into therapy, and just yeah, doing this really powerful work um, for the good of for the good of everybody and for the good of themselves. So thanks again for tuning in. Um, we'll see you next week, another episode of Men's Therapy Podcast. Thank you for joining your host, Mark Angelet, on the Men's Therapy Podcast. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and anywhere podcasts are found. To support the show, leave a review on your favorite podcast platform 
For more information or to apply to be a guest, visit www.menstherapypodcast.com.